keep it simple. I don't want to use too many words that, that tend to complicate what I want to say today. So if you see me pausing, I'm trying to get the grey matter to, to tick over to find a better way of explaining uh, things that we take for granted in the way we talk. So please be patient with my um, pauses. Often takes, I, I, when, when I tend to share, I like to, to um, bring something that is organic, that, that I feel God has put on my heart. And, and when Melanie asked me, I said, wow, I don't necessarily have anything that's startling. She said, well, just share, share um, how God's worked in your life. And I thought, yeah, mm, yeah, right, eh? um, pretty boring, I think. But um, I think when you tend to go back and, and write things down, it helps um, clarify in your own mind your own journey. And essentially, what I've written down today are three words. Known, know, trust. And essentially, that's my life's faith journey. Like I said before, I'm going to keep it practical and simple. In, in farming, we, we try to keep things simple. Um, we tend to find in farming, if we we try to make things complicated you've got to have an incredibly complicated set of plans to keep it complicated and if uh, if it is overly complicated generally the complications tend to tire you out and the, and the complication just ends up on the floor so today I want to bring practicality to what I'm about to say <coughs> I'm going to start reading out of some old diaries um, and and there um, some diaries here I've got over here. And they're in, uh, I'm going to call them the day in the life of a farmer. So I'll just grab them. <coughs> now, I've um, tabbed a few things because I thought they were interesting. This one, pretty good looking diary, 1939. Thought it might be interesting. <coughs> a few deep breaths. Pardon? 1939. Who? No, I won't ask. And I'm going to be reasonably random apart from the ones I've picked here. So I've just flipped open January. Over 100 degrees, hot week. Went in late afternoon to family gathering at River and Tea. Um, Wednesday, thatching stack down the paddock. Uh, Friday the 6th, too hot to work, went to town. <laughs> Saturday, hot, 110. This is Fahrenheit, of course. Too hot to work, went into tea and the river for a swim. Um, turn over. A little cooler, finished thatching stack down the page. Fencing in the stack, let horses into 100 acre stubble. Uh, Friday, the 13th of January, 1939. I didn't see this before. Hottest day on record. Uh, in the district, Melbourne, elsewhere, serious fires in Victoria with over 60 lost, loss of life. 117.5 on the 13th of Jan um, January 1939. That's a hot day. Pardon? Celsius? Oh, I haven't got the phone to do the conversion. Would it be 40? I, I'm not sure, Ken. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Hot enough. Mm. Moved on. Cleaned, cleaned oats till dinner. Cementing uh, top of well after dinner. Uh, Sunday. Finished top of the well. Um, went home and to church. 
flick forward to one of these things. Um, harrowing, this is on the Saturday, harrowing, harrowing until dinner, which was levelling the paddocks. Burnt all stubbles in the afternoon. Went in home for tea on Sunday to church. Red cow sick. Um, Monday, odd jobs. Red cow getting worse. That was on uh, March, Monday the 6th. Tuesday, sad day. Shot red cow this morning and burnt her up. Uh, took pop and culvers out to FNS meeting at Boulder. Um, just flicking through, I'll go to the other one that I've marked here. I think this was an interesting one. Sorry? 47.2, it was hot. Um, August 1939, 26. Some of you good at history will know what's coming. Working at the cow shed all afternoon, took <coughs> a load of timber over to the farm, wool shed, uh, and the wool shed. Uh, down uh, down the pipes in the morning. Uh, soldered down the pipes, so he's making probably uh, water pipes. Went in for tea, went to church. Interesting week, this one. Put roof on cow shed today. Got pipe poles, uh, I got pine poles from the hill for the perches in the in chook shed and pig race. Wednesday, making pig race for the loading ramp. Thursday, finished making pig race, put up spout on the shed. Friday the 1st of September, Germany invades Poland today. <laughs> um, dang it. <coughs> um, making chicken, and, he, and then those words were etched there, and then it goes on to say, making chicken porch and dipping, um, digging around the ornamental trees, <coughs> um, and it goes on. I'm not sure why I'm emotional, but anyway. Nerves. Um, 1939. Uh, October. Uh, I thought this was interesting. I took wool to Aubrey. Also, uncle and auntie uh, were out, had dinner uh, around Aubrey, then went to the Weir, picked up visitors, went to Wodonga and Rutherglen. They stayed, to, uh, stayed for tea, Laurie coming uh, after that. Um, Sunday, Laurie and Alma took visitors to the pools, which was Brandon and Ruth's home now, um, and Mitchell's for the day. We went to Leo and Betty. Uh, Leo and Betty. Oh, sounds all pretty normal, doesn't it, for a farmer? Move on. 45. Hope this doesn't take too long. 1945. Flick to those. Don and I spent most of the day. Uh, carboning rabbits, so smoking rabbits out of holes, I suppose, 1945. Um, took kids to school, brought back um, spuds for the sheep, pulled, pulled over to Hudson's and had dinner, started cultivating. Uh, working on tractor cultivating, just sounds like a normal farmer, doesn't it? All went to church uh, in the morning. Um, Page, took kids to school, went in again to bring them home. Uh, fed sheep, got a load of water. Ground wheat, helping grade wheat at Hudson's after dinner. Uh, Wednesday the 9th of May, 1945. All went in this morning, Thanksgiving service at Prezi Church 
at cessation of war in Europe. Good service. Um, the next day, finished harrowing McMahon's. Uh, girls and I cut a load of wood. Uh, cut a load of char. Moving on. Um, where was this one? Uh, odd jobs went to the fire brigade meeting. All went to church, home for tea. <coughs> Ro, um, Ro, red cow died last night suddenly. Pulled her away and burnt her up. Um, season's wrap. The lambing was a complete failure. 1945 was a nightmare for the grazier and, hard, and a hard year for the farmer. <coughs> Move on. 57. Just giving you a glimpse of what a farmer's life was here. I've just opened it up. Uh, shifted cattle. Enter, um, ooh. Oh, yeah. Um, fixing double gates with cement posts and stayed on the road. School paddock. Uh, finished fence, then went to sheep sale. Um, some went this morning to the service. Uh, I went in in the morning. I'll, I'll read the Sunday ones. Uh, all went to church. Mum visited the Williamsons. All went to church, some again at night. They must have had two services. Uh, sowing oats, then the wheat. Got a truckload of firewood. Um, Ploughed paddock until night. Uh, Sunday. All went to church. Stayed in for meeting. Stayed in. Uh, most of us went to church twice. I'm just reading the Sunday. Showers overnight, all went to church. 57. Let's get a bit more modern. 1970, great year. <laughs> uh, what's down here? Mum and I went to church, then later visited Coles's, Drew and Mum. Check stock, both went to town. Um, son prepared electric fence for feeding of the calves. Three of us went to church, attended some sheep, fed sheep. Uh, both worked on tractor, finishing all the stubbles. Cultivated orchard uh, and ornamental trees. Um, hope you're getting the gist here of what, what goes on in, in a farmer's life. Uh, kept tractor going. Uh, uh, kept tractor going to finish uh, before the showers. Um, weeded in the garden. Giving you a good idea, I hope. One thing in 1945 I missed was there was a, a, um, during the war um, there was a civil defence uh, element to to the population, and it was called VDC. And um, I noticed in here. Uh, most Sunday, or not a lot, not every Sunday, but he went to um, the shooting range to, to, to practice. Uh, they were issued, government issued them um, weapons of the day, uh, 303s, I believe they were, and um, the, the civil population um, went and practiced um, uh, shooting. And I see in here um, on a Sunday, uh, he competed against Rutherglen and Chilton, 
um, in the shooting competition. And here on a Saturday, he went in, uh, went in the evening to the... Uh, no, that's the wrong one. There's a tailored... I went into the shooting range, I topped the score. Why have I read that? I'll tell you later. Known. Back to my story. Grew up in a, uh, in a house that I believe had a faith. And I know it had a faith. Absolutely. Um, um, and, and mum and dad had a faith. So for, for me growing up in, in a faith-filled home, it was an incredible blessing. Absolutely. Um, it... it gave me a great, um, a great path to follow in my life. And I thank mum and dad for that. Um, went to Sunday school. We, um, Grant and I did the, the normal journey, kids, kids would, in, in, a, in a home with faith in it. Um, and grew up uh, with, another, uh, with a number of like-minded kids like myself. Because uh, our fam mum, mum's family was quite large, we, we had lots of cousins. Um, awesome time. Um, I remember uh, having a conversation with mum and dad about God in the early 80s. I can't exactly remember it was. I think I was only 10 or 12 at the time. Um, and uh, I remember mum and dad explaining to me that, um, about this God and that his son wanted to be my friend, and, and he had done a lot for me. And um, I remember praying a prayer um, that thanked him for, for Jesus for doing that, and that I invited Jesus to be my friend back then. Um, and that was in the early 80s, I think I was only 10 or 12. So my schooling was very normal through primary school. I don't remember anything startling there. Um, and then came high school, and I reckon high school is where things start to happen in your life and you start to remember things. For me it was anyway. Um, what I do remember at high school is, is youth group. Youth group. As soon as you got to high school, you were allowed to go to youth. And I remember absolutely what Belle was saying. Um, it, was, it was your refuge. Um, and, I, and for me that was the case. Um, got to know God through that time. As I said before, I've always known God as a kid, but this is where, I, for me, I got to know God, and that, that came through um, mainly youth group, like-minded friends, going to concerts. I remember doing a few things with the Gumbagna youth group, with the Shepherds at Old Fanani, um, where, where Ken and Beryl's mum and dad used to live, that'd be right? Yeah, well, it was the Drew's property anyway, yeah. Should have written it down, I would have remembered. Um, and I think that's where I got to know God, absolutely. There's no doubt about that. If you, if you attend youth group and you're not listening, well, I don't suppose you'll learn anything, but if you're listening, you will get to know God. It's, it's, it's going to happen. And, and I certainly, for me, that was, my, that was my experience. I definitely got to know God through that, even though I'd made a... Um, a decision to be Jesus' friend and to, to uh, acknowledge God in my life back then. That's essentially where I got to know God. Um, in my late teens, I, um, I wanted to show, pausing, I wanted to show my friends and those peers around me that Jesus and God were going to be important in my life. And that was when I decided to be baptised. In, in, uh, it's where you publicly go 
to a, a, a standing bit of water, and that happened to be the Murray. Um, I can't remember when it was, I'm sure it was cold. And um, I was baptised that day, which I confessed my belief and uh, my trust in God. I did that with two other people. Um, I also remember that about that time when I was in year 11 and 12, great years. I remember they were the greatest years of school for me. I remember one, and if you were here last week, you'll get this. I remember once asking this girl at the dance to dance with me, and she said no. And, and look, to be honest, to my beautiful wife, if she more than likely saw how I danced. Now, it was reasonably abstract back then, and still is, and I can't really blame her for going, oh, no, no, no. Little did she know that uh, she would say yes and that she'd have to put up with my dancing for the rest of her life. Um, I suppose after school, life got really quick. And, and for anyone that's left school and um, got married, which we did, had kids, that last 20 years, man, it's just a bang. Um, yeah, you sort of wonder where it all went, really. It's just, just frightening. Um, we attended church, had three gorgeous children, um, attended... Gumbagan Baptist Church, yeah, one's there, one up the back. Um, and um, we continued to grow as a family. It was a lovely time. Um, farm got busy, you know, we, we bought farms and you want to do things, so you just go like, well, there's a word for it, you probably shouldn't say it, but you, you, know, you really go hard at what you're doing and uh, we enjoyed it, absolutely. Farming was grand as well. It was probably some of the most productive and best days of our lives, really. We were fitter then and younger. Um, so I'm trying to point out that, that I knew God, you know, that, that I knew there was a God, I got to know God, and the last part of what my three words was, trust. I reckon that's a tricky thing to explain because I think that for all of us during our lives, that... That journey comes at different stages. And for me, um, I can definitely say I'd known there was a God. I can definitely say I got to know God. Trusting God completely, man, well, I think I did. But it wasn't until we got to the droughts of 2006, 7, 8, 9 that I worked out Hey man, I probably need to trust God a whole lot more. <laughs> and they were pretty tricky years. Um, I've, I wrote down a few things in, in a... I don't do a running daily journal. I, I do a yearly one. And I went back and had a look at some of those years. And man, they were hard. Some of the words I was using were, were harsh. Um, uh, some of the things we had to do during that time. And anyone that was on the land at that time would know it was tough really tough um, and I remember on the fourth year of that drought in 2009 um, we that harvest had been ruined again by frost and we had to cut a lot of our crops like guys up the back I'm, I can see them up the back we had to cut a lot of hay and we ended up with 4,000 big square bales and I, I wrote in my diary no market I won't go through it because it's taking a bit of time 
No market today. Not sure what to do with it. I, um, at that stage, we were crying out uh, from the hardship of it. And I remember during that time saying, God, man, you've got my attention. Absolutely. Um, what, what do you want? And I remember going onto the, the veranda at Pinewood, flipping open my Bible, looking for, for God to tell me something. And I, I sh- <laughs> shared this with um, David the other day. <clears throat> First Peter. Some of you will know it. Chapter 1, verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus from the dead, now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reaches of change and decay, which we were certainly seeing in those, in those droughts. There was a lot of decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive his salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you have to endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so then your faith remains strong through many trials. It will bring you much praise and glory and honour on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you never see him. Though you do not see him now, you will trust him. You trust him and you rejoice with gladness. um, inexpressible joy the rewards for trusting him will be the salvation salvation of your soul so I read that and bang I thought man God you have absolutely my attention and from that day on um, trusting God with not only my life but our farm um, changed bang and um, <clears throat> we certainly include God in our decisions on the farm, um, knowing that God has knowing that God has everything planned out for us, and and we needn't struggle against it. Um, that for me was the trust part. Known, no trust. For me, that's pretty simple. Uh, my life doesn't seem all that exciting, but that is my story. I'll fill you in with the diaries. I hope I can do this. <laughs> um, ooh, it's going to be tough. Um, <laughs> I am. Um, the diaries of my grandfather's.
can do it. Um, <laughs> a man I never knew. Uh, I've known of him. I didn't know him. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Anyway, I think you get the tip. I didn't know him, but I certainly get to know him by reading his word. <clears throat> if you know of him, you've got to get to know him. And by reading his word, I certainly get to trust what he did as a man. <clears throat> I know one day I'll see him again, absolutely. I think that'd be good. <laughs> G'day, my name is Noah. Uh, it's great to be with you today. I know we've had quite a lot of things happening already, so I'm going to be quick. But I'd like to um, start by acknowledging that whenever we get together in a gathering like this, there's often uh, can be three groups of people. Some of you are church insiders. You've been in church forever. You, you know everyone and everything that's happening. It's great. And uh, you're welcome here. The second group is some of you, like uh, Bella, have just starting this journey. And it's so exciting to see those of you that are, you're, you're, you've gone all in and it's great. Some of you might be unsure about where you are with this whole thing. Um, is there a God? Should I care? Who's Jesus? And what does that have to do with my life? And I guess I want to just say you're welcome here. And uh, some of you are visiting, and my, my prayer for you would be that this space feels like welcome home. Uh, and uh, so let me pray before we get started, and uh, yeah, ask God to be with us. Father God, we thank you that you are a good God. Thank you that as we heard in this story uh, of, of uh, Bella's testimony, so grand. Anthony, I'm sorry, uh, Anthony's story as well. We see a God who is faithful day in, day out through all of our life. Through the ups, through the downs, you're with us. And we see that as the evidence of a living God. Lord, speak to us. I don't have anything unless you speak. So please speak to our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of my message today is The Evidence of a Living God. The Evidence of a Living God. I don't know how you come to think that something is true. Some of my friends are very linear type people. They can weigh up the, the evidence and the facts and the opinions. and They go A plus B plus C equals such and such is true. That's not me. I am not a linear thinker. My brain sort of goes in unusual circles. And, um, <laughs> and uh, I find that I tend to be very impulsive, that uh, when I feel something is right, I dig my heels in, and that's it. And a story about that, I remember when I was uh, about eight years old, my family at the time were living in Canberra, and we used to every day drive past this particular op shop. And it was a cool little shop, it had some interesting things. It had a good cafe, good coffee, praise the Lord Jesus. And um, it had uh, a big sign out the front. 
but it was in this sort of curly running writing, and it was kind of hard to see what it was saying. But the moment I saw it, I knew that it was some sort of Italian-sounding name like Shepavelli's or something like that. My parents, on the other hand, saw exactly the same sign and thought it said Shabby Attic. And for months, as I said, we drove past this, this place every day and the conversation would go, it's Shepavelli's. No, it's Shabby Attic. And one day my parents said, okay, enough's enough. We are going to go into this shop. You're going to ask them. And if you're wrong, you're doing the dishes, all the dishes for a month. <laughs> but I knew I was right. Needless to say, I was washing dishes for a month. <laughs> but maybe that's you. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you see something and you have to be face to face with the reality of the situation before you change your mind. And maybe if you're like me, if you're like that, we're actually in good company. The story of Jesus, according to John, starts by introducing a character called Nathaniel. Now, Nathaniel's brother Philip had just met Jesus, he, he was amazed at him, and he went all in for, to follow Jesus. Nathaniel, on the other hand, was a bit skeptical. He wasn't buying this Jesus person. But what does Philip say? Even though the Nathaniel just, he, he looks, he, 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 he just doesn't resonate with it, it's not for him. What does Philip say? Uh, we see this in verse... Uh, 46, he says, Philip replied, come and see for yourself. Come and see for yourself. And so Philip drags Nathaniel along to Jesus. Jesus meets Nathaniel. And I love that a couple of lines later in the story, Nathaniel totally changes. He exclaims, teacher, you really are the son of God. You really are God's savior. But he had to see. He had to see him for yourself. And, and you know, I loved how these kids before, and some of you mentioned these amazing answers about uh, the evidence for a living God. You pretty much stole all my sermon topics today. <laughs> but sometimes it's not all that easy to see God. You know, we can't physically see God in our lives, and, and sometimes it's difficult. And you know, on top of that, there are a thousand stories of what people think God is like. I don't know, what, what do you think when you see God? Some people see a kindly old grandfather. Some people see a cosmic cop who's waiting to punish anyone who's having fun. Some people see someone in an ivory tower who's up there, who's disconnected from our reality while we're down here in the muck of life. How do you see God? And I guess what I was hoping to, to share with you today is two points. And the first is, particularly if you are unsure, if you're one of those people that you're just not sure about, is there a God and who is God? Can I suggest to you today, the evidence of a living God is Jesus. We've been going as a church through uh, the story of Jesus according to Mark, which is this amazing action-packed story uh, we, we meet this incredible character called Jesus. And I love how Mark chapter 1, verse 1 starts like this. It says, the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, began like this. Just as the prophet Isaiah has written, 
And Mark starts by quoting someone who had written several hundred years before about something that was going to come, and he says this, prepare the way. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. You see, before Jesus came, for generations, all people had seen were stories, words, descriptions, metaphors, things that had been written down. They had these, these things that they clinged onto about what God is like, but they never saw him. They never saw him for themselves. But Mark starts his story by announcing something is going to change. Prepare the way because God is going to show up. And, and Jesus, in Jesus, we see what God is like. I'm going to, to, I think that's a really important point. We see what God is like in Jesus. And I've got an illustration that I hope will bring it home. Um, but it's going to take some participation. So turn to the person next to you and say, are you ready to participate? Okay. <laughs> so I want you to imagine for just a second that I have never seen a bird. I've never seen one. Say I've grown up in some high rise somewhere in the middle of suburbia and I've just never seen a bird. And I want you to think for a second how you would describe to me what, and let's, let's make it specific, let's say a chicken. How would you see, uh, sorry, how would you describe to me someone who's never seen a chicken what a chicken would, is like? Uh, what are feathers? Because remember, I've never seen a bird, so keep going. Awesome, but what's a, what's a feather? Soft, yeah. So kind of like a soft stick. Two legs, yeah. Uh, we, we've got these, say, fluffy sticks. But yeah, that's remember, we've, we've, I've never seen a bird, so fluffy sticks that look soft. Yeah, they come in different colors. Sorry, what was about a head? And they've got a small head, yeah. So it's got this pointy thing, yeah. Okay, yeah. Point, what about a pointy, sharp mouth? Yeah. Okay, yeah, lays eggs. We won't go into descriptions about that. This is the Lord's house. Sorry? Beady eyes, yeah. What about its behavior? How do they behave? Yeah, right. Eat food. Scratch, yeah. Let's stick with that. I've got quite a list now. Awesome. <laughs> Delicious. Awesome. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> You're jumping ahead. So if I had never seen a chicken, one thing that you could tell to me, you could say, no way, you haven't seen a chicken? Well, if you're, if you're walking the streets of Corinth and you look for this, this will be a chicken. They have two legs. They have fluffy sticks that look soft. They come in different colors. Small head, pointy, sharp mouth. 
uh, lays eggs, beady eyes, fuck, eats food and scratches. It's all becoming clear to me now. <laughs> if I had never seen a chicken, this is somewhat helpful. And this is, to a point, it is, right? It's one way that you can learn. I could tell you about what a chicken is like. And then there's another way that you could learn. I think uh, Steve is in the office. I want you to see this. Isn't there a difference? See, I could tell you about a chicken, or I could show you. <laughs> Steve's doing well as the chook wrangler. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Steve. That's, that's good. How good is that? <laughs> uh, but I want you to take this in. In, the, in the, the story of Jesus, we see that God is not just saying, this is what I'm like. He says, no, 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 I want to show you. I want to show you. And uh, what I love about the story of Jesus is that um, when, when, when John starts his story of Jesus, he says this, the word, these words that we had about God, these stories, descriptions, images, metaphors, these words on a page became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood and we've seen him with our own eyes, this one-of-a-kind glory. John 1. I love that. God became one of us. He said, it's not, just enough, it's not enough to just hear these stories about what God is like. I want to show you who I'm like. So the story of Jesus is God... <laughs> uh, how cool is that? The story of Jesus is God showing us. We see God for one. What does God do? He, he shows up. He shows compassion on us. And, and we, we see these characters of people just like you and me, broken, messed up people. And we find ourselves in his story. We find that we're more broken and flawed than we could ever imagine. But we're more loved than we could ever dare believe. And I want to challenge you, if you're unsure about what you believe, about if there is a God, can I encourage you, go to the Gospel of Mark. It's not very long, it's about 20 pages, and it introduces this person called Jesus. Meet him for yourself. Find your story in his, and you'll find that he's the evidence of a living God. So that's point number one. Point number two, super quickly, is also this. And it's particularly for those of you who have been in church for a long time. You know all this. You've met Jesus. You've gone there. You've read this. And I want to encourage you that the evidence of a living God is you. The evidence of a living God is you. You see, um, as we heard in Bella's story, in, in uh, An Anthony, I was close. I, I'm still getting there with names. <laughs> and then it'll kind of cover some. Yeah. The evidence of a living God is you. You know, I just encourage you to go to the book of Mark. But to a whole lot of people in Korowa, they will never go to the book of Mark. They will never have a look at it. The only picture of Jesus that they will ever see is you. It's you. 
And so, church, we need to do this. Romans 8 says this, For those God knew in advance, He also called to be conformed, that is, to be made into the likeness of, to be conformed into the image of His Son. Colossians says that Christ in you is the hope of glory. People need to see Christ in you because you are the evidence of a living God. C.S. Lewis puts it like this, we're called to be little Christs. And so what we need to do is to also go to the book of Mark, but not just to meet Jesus. We need to go there to see the one who we are called to reflect. And so we see Jesus showing compassion. Are we showing compassion? We see Jesus hanging out with the least, the last, the lost, the ragamuffins, the brokens, the down and outs. How do we treat them? This is our calling. Church, you have no other priority so important than to let Jesus be seen in you because you are the evidence of the living God to your church, to your school, to your family, to your workplace, to your neighbors, to those around you. You're the Jesus that they see. 1 John 4, 17 says, As he is, so are we in this world. We're called to look like him, to love like him, to be generous like him. I want to finish with 2 Corinthians 5. This is a letter from uh, one of the first Christians, Paul, to one of the first churches. And he says this. Since we, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we've all died to our old life. He died for everyone, so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they'll live for Christ, who died and was raised to life for them. So we stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently do we know him now? This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone, a new life has begun, and all of this is gift from God. My final point I want to make is this. If you want to know who God is, you won't just stumble across him in life. And if you want to look like Jesus, you won't get there by trying harder. It's a gift. You see, um, I love that what God asks us to do isn't to look harder, to do harder, to try better. It's to open ourselves up to Him. And we find that His Spirit, God with us, actually works in and through us. He makes these things clear to us. And when we read the story, it comes alive. I know for me, it wasn't just a, a story of Jesus but it's meeting him for myself that changed me. And so, as I finish up, I just want to encourage you. When you look for God, don't just look for the descriptions about God. Come and meet him for yourself. Come and see God invites you. God, Jesus is the evidence of a living God. And my second point is this. The evidence of a living God is you. Church, we need to see our community needs to see Christ in us. And that's a gift. It's God in us. We just need to open ourselves to him. And he does it in and through us. And I believe that when we do that, 
God will do amazing things and build his church and his kingdom and point people back to Jesus. So let me pray. Father God, we see that you didn't just um, tell us who you are. You came to show us. You came to show us yourself. Jesus is God with us, the visible image of the invisible God. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to see you for who you really are in Jesus. Challenge us to, to go deeper and have a look at Mark for ourselves. But Lord, I also pray that for us as a church, we would let Christ be made and formed inside of us so that those around us would see Christ in us, the hope of glory. Lord, I pray that that'll be our, our call, our mandate, our challenge, and that you would do that in us for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, church. Have a great week.